If you're anything like me, you spent your childhood assuming that one day you'd meet your Prince Charming. You'd get married, you'd have a nice house in the suburbs, a dog, a career, and a couple of kids. It never crossed your mind that Prince Charming wouldn't come along, or that tragically you'd lose him before his time, or that your marriage wouldn't work out, or even that your biological clock would have other ideas. Or maybe you never really wanted that sort of happily ever after. Maybe you never wanted a man, but you did know you always wanted children. We're living in an age where for the first time, women can embrace motherhood on their own terms. They no longer have to put their lives on hold waiting for the right man, or settling for someone who they know isn't right for them, just so they can become a mother. More women than ever before are embarking on the journey to become what's known as a solo mother by choice. And while for a lot of us it doesn't feel like a choice, but more a necessity, the bottom line is there are now options for you to be able to fulfill your dreams of motherhood if the traditional route isn't playing out as expected. The No Need for Prince Charming podcast will share stories of Australian women who have successfully become solo mothers by choice. They each have a unique story as to why they decided to pursue motherhood in this way and the journey they had to go through to make this dream a reality. The hope is that by sharing these stories, you'll have the knowledge and the confidence to embark on this amazing journey yourself if you determine it's the right one for you. In the words of Walt Disney, all of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. All you need is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. Hello and welcome to the No Need for Prince Charming podcast. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by City Fertility. With a diverse range of sperm donors to choose from and no waiting time, City Fertility are ready to help you fulfill your dreams of growing your family, just like they helped me grow mine. Visit City Fertility today to learn more. So welcome to this episode of the podcast, Leah. I would love to start by learning a little bit about who you were before you decided to become a mum. Thank you for having me. I am not particularly interesting. I just um, had a normal life, I guess, always wanted to be a mum. Like I remember even in high school, um, like that was always, I didn't want a career, I didn't want to travel, I just wanted to be a mum. I remember our school brought in like a program um, where they had the mechanical babies. Oh, yeah. If you've seen those things. Um, and I was like, I need to get into that program. But <laughs> because I was doing my VCA, they wouldn't let me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I've always babysat and I finished school and didn't know what to do, so I did work, uh, did a course in childcare. Yeah, then, babies, yeah. Yeah, and um, that was it. I worked in childcare for... 10 years or something um, and then had my first like serious relationship in that time um, it got to the point where we'd been together a couple of years and I was ready I was like okay I want to start thinking about children I want to um, like I want to go off the pill and how does that feel for you and it he was all like, oh, yeah, yeah, I want kids. That sounds good. And then, like, the relationship, I could just see that it had turned. And that um, was the catalyst for it turning, you think? Yeah. Oh, he's had some other things going on too, which I didn't know about until I brought up with him. I'm like, okay, well, we're at a standstill here. I want us to, like, make steps for our future. Like, we were still living with our parents respectively. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I want us to like move in together and make that next step. And he was like, I can't do that. So we went our separate ways, which destroyed me. He was my first love. And um, yeah, I like, I thought I was one and done. He was like, I saw my future with him, mm. um, but it wasn't meant to be. <laughs> Um, and then so, like, that was a real, like, shift in my life then. Um, like, I quit my job because I was just un- not unhappy at work particularly but just in myself. Yeah. So I um, uh, had sold an investment property and had a bit of money behind me, so I quit my job and took some time off and um, ended up. Uh, just working in the family business for a couple of years mm-hmm. and then dated on and off all the 
losers like you usually do. <laughs> ones that um, don't want to commit and aren't ready for kids or whatever. And, like, it was always brought up very early on, this is what I want. If you're not a part of that, then I'm not wasting my time. You almost start dating for sperm, don't you? You're just like so fixated that I want to become a mum. So if you're not on board, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I was like mid twenties, probably, mm-hmm. where I sort of started thinking. I didn't even know that sperm donation was a thing um, until like movies like The Backup Plan and The Switch and those things. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if that's actually a thing that you can do in Australia and started doing a little bit of Googling. Mm. Um, And, yeah, I saw I emailed a couple of clinics um, and Melbourne IVF were the first ones to get back to me, so I went with them (laughs) because they replied first. Um, And they had an information session, which I went to, um, this was probably, it was about, it was the end of 2017. Um, and so I was 20, 29 then. Okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I went to the information session and it was, I was like, oh yeah, this is the thing. It's, um, this is what I'm going to do. I don't need a man. <laughs> The only thing I ever wanted was the baby anyway. Yeah, the family and the man and the house and all of those things would have been lovely, but really my end goal was a baby anyway. So I was like, cut out the middleman. (laughs) There by myself, done. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I went to that information session. I was like, okay, well, I'll um, ponder on that for a bit if um, nothing in my life has really changed by 30, mm-hmm. I'll get the ball rolling. And that's what I did. <laughs> Nothing changed and 30 came and you went, right, let's. Yeah, I um, got all my referrals and, um, yeah, so the doctor is next available, the fertility specialist is next available appointment, um, did the counselling sessions and all of those things just when they became available, like I wasn't on any timeline, but I like because everything's booked out everywhere. It was just mm-hmm. when the next appointment was. So I just plodded along with their kind of timeline, I guess. Um, and then the end of 2018, I did two RUI cycles Um neither of which worked, which, like, I was a little bit bummed about but kind of just thought that that was a box that you had to tick. Yeah, I'd kind of, like, they'd said not to get your hopes up and it's a very slim chance and I just saw that as that's what you have to do to then get to the IVF and get the Medicare benefits. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I wasn't too disheartened about those unsuccessful cycles um and then so then it was the christmas break and all of that they all go on holidays (laughs) um (laughs) and so i started my ivf journey in march of 2019 yeah yeah, and up until this point, I'd told like a couple of close friends Had that you told this your was no. Nah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, that yeah, that this was my plan, and they were all like, "Oh my god, yeah, that's amazing! You're going to be an amazing, mom. Like we all know that that's what you want to be." And like all of my friends were super supportive. Um, and I I knew that my family would be too. I was just a little nervous to tell them um, because, like, my parents' dream for me and my brothers is to, like, find someone you love and have a family. Like, mm. they're high school sweethearts. They've been together for 
40 something years happily married and um and they just wanted that for us and so I knew that there'd be a little I don't want to say disappointment but I don't know what other word to use that I a grieving for the what they want yeah that I haven't found my someone um and so I think I told my mum just before I started the IVF cycle, like before I reported my day one, mm-hmm. um, and then because I was still working for my parents at that point, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to tell my dad that I need a day off for the um, collection. <laughs> and so it was like the week before I was like, so this is what I'm doing. And, and what was your reaction? Um, it was mainly positive. Like he did say, how, how are you going to find someone and don't you want to find someone? And I just pointed out to him that there's plenty of single mums that have found people later in life and whatnot. And I said, I would rather, like, I have a timeline on a baby. I could run out mm-hmm. on that. Um, but I have the rest of my life to find a partner and, yeah, so then they were kind of just like, oh, yeah, we get it. Um, and then it was never really spoken about again. Um, and so, yeah, I did that round of IVF and I had um, 10 eggs collected, yeah. seven of those fertilised, and then six made it to day five. Good and so I had one fresh transferred and the other five went into the freezer and it worked yeah I was I remember when I because I peed on the stick before I did my blood so I could not wait (laughs) and I remember when the positive came up and I was like oh my god it worked oh my god I'm gonna have a baby like is this really what I was planning I've gone through all these injections and everything else. Yeah, what I thought was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, because like you hear of everyone's struggles with IVF, um, and that. But I guess like the only people that I know have done IVF prior to me doing it were couples that were struggling with infertility. Mm. Um, and so I was like, I didn't expect it to work on the first go, and now here I am. I think there's, there's not a huge amount of stats on the success rate for people using IVF who don't have fertility problems as well. So I think yeah. you do go into it with a, a notion that it might take a while. But if you've got no fertility issues, then technically it shouldn't. So Yeah. And since, um, since having that positive and seeing being on the single mums Facebook pages and stuff, I've seen that you can actually get false positives from your like injections and things like that. And I'm like, I had no idea. I went into this so naively, so blindly. Like I didn't do any research. I didn't, I like, I picked, the clinic I picked was because they were the first one that answered. The fertility specialist that I chose was because they said he was the closest one to where I lived. And I was just like, I didn't know that there were options to, research into different fertility specialists different clinics different like I was just like I want a baby this is how it's done these are this is what they've told me to do (laughs) so how'd you go about deciding which donor to go with them um so I with the IUIs um uh the donors there was not a lot to choose from I think there was maybe 10 on the list Mm -hmm. Um, and I, as a lot of people have said, I wanted a, a baby that looked like me. Um, and more so I hated the counseling sessions and there was an, you had to do an extra counseling session if you choose a baby of a different, um, ethnicity to yourself. Okay. Um, I guess to go through how would you, you would respond with like a baby, like say I had a an Asian child and I'm a Caucasian, um, like if they were to face um, racial 
issues as they grow up. That's not something that I'm that I've had to deal with, and so you need to discuss how you approach that, I guess. Um, and yeah, I just really hated the counselling sessions. I <laughs> did not enjoy them one bit. So that had a lot to do with how I chose my donor because I didn't want to do another one. Why do you think they made you so uncomfortable? The counselling. Oh, I, I know that they're not they're not judging you, but I just felt really judged. But they're just asking you the questions to make sure that you like have your answers or just to make you think about like how you will approach different scenarios um yeah it's not about judging whether you're qualified to be a mum or not it's just making sure you've thought through all the different things that come yeah with donor conceived and, child isn't it it's not really even about you I hadn't half the time isn't it <laughs> so, yeah. didn't think of that yeah and like I hadn't told my family at that point so I was like oh what why do you think you haven't told your family mm. <laughs> um so yeah I just really didn't like the counseling sessions <laughs> they were not for me um and yeah so I just went through the couple that were available and um the things that really um stood out to me were the letters that the donors wrote that's ultimately how I ended up making my decision how that was worded and um yeah, so I had I picked a donor for the IUIs and then they were unsuccessful so then I picked another one for the IVF um, and I was I remember I was tossing up between two different ones um, and I was speaking to one of my friends and she was asking about like how it all works and, and so I was like oh I'll show you a don't I'll show you the list and rah 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 and opened it up and a new donor had just become available that day and so I opened up his profile and he had photos which none of the others had had mm. um, and his letter was just amazing and so I was like oh no I'm choosing this one <laughs> and so I'm not I, allowed to look at the rest of them I've just done yeah <laughs> dis disregarded the other ones and like selected it there like I was at work selected it there and then with my friend um and yeah like if I've um I'll happily tell anyone about my donor my, or, yeah my donor um but I've kept the letter private that's yeah. for my son to read and share with whoever he chooses to when he's ready um so yeah everyone knows like my donors um appearance and education and all the the tinder profile <laughs> um, but yeah the letter is for my son the ivf worked the first time which is very lucky and then obviously telling other people post that so your parents were they surprised that it worked so quickly and were they excited um they were actually overseas when i got my results um so I waited until they came back and they were like, oh, yeah, cool. Um, it was all kind of a little bit um, not real until he was here, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was, <laughs> it was odd. I remember... Like all of my friends were like super excited. Oh, we can't wait. And my parents, like, of course they were happy for me. Um, but, yeah, I guess they just kept all that on the inside. <laughs> that generation is like that, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> um, and did you enjoy being pregnant or it just doesn't quite seem real the whole time? I never felt pregnant. I didn't get morning sickness. Um, I did have quite a few issues being yeah. pregnant. But um, so at 22 weeks, I had to um, have my gallbladder removed, emergency surgery. Oh, gosh, that'd be scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was fun. <laughs> um, and then... 
at about 28 weeks. Like up until that point, it had been smooth sailing. Like all the scans had shown everything was um, chugging along nicely. <laughs> and then at 28 weeks, they showed high blood pressure um, for most of the pregnancy. Um, and my blood pressure is on the high side pre-pregnancy anyway and I um so that was always monitored and then I had um low amniotic fluid levels at 28 weeks and so I got sent up to maternity and told not to leave until they'd put a Doppler on my stomach and and then public hospital I was there for like 12 hours without seeing anyone oh. Um, and then finally got sent home at like four o'clock in the morning or something saying it's fine. <laughs> um, so then the next day I um, rang a private OB. I was like, oh, I just wanted to book in to see this OB. And they're like, oh, yeah, the next available appointment is in December. And this was September at that point. My due date was December 6th. And I just burst into tears and said, my baby will be dead by then. Mm. <laughs> um, and so the receptionist, she was so lovely. She was like, let me just speak to the doctor and we'll call you back. Um, and, yeah, I said I've got um, told her all the issues that I'd had and then um, she said, okay, the doctor can see you next Wednesday. <laughs> Even so that they, would feel like a lifetime away, though. Yeah, they um, fit. I, the first appointment I had with them was like after hours. They squeezed me in. It was amazing. Um, and then, like she, because with the public system, um, every appointment you go to, you see a different doctor, and they read your results differently to the last doctor, or they don't know all the things that have happened before that. And it was just a lot of repeating myself and not knowing what I was like what was going on because I've never had a baby before um and like the whole time I felt fine I could feel the baby moving and like my life was still going on as normal but obviously on this inside something was not right um and so yeah when I started seeing the private OB she um explained everything and she's like yes the amnio um, levels are low but they're not like it's on the normal side of the low okay. and that can change and it's like she's yeah she explained everything really well and made me feel a lot better about it all um, but she I had like fortnightly appointments I think and um, between 28 and 32 weeks I think I dropped or the baby dropped from the like 40th percentile in size to the fifth right so there was um then she was like okay we need to keep a close eye on this baby now um it's she said the longer we can keep them in there the better um but it will be watching like there'll be a fine line as to when it's safer on the outside than the inside. Just like I really want to get you to 37 weeks mm -hmm. because 37 is considered full term. Um, and, yeah, so I started having weekly appointments at that stage. Um, and then the whole time this baby was breech as well. Convenient. <laughs> Yeah, so I was doing all the sitting upside down and all those wonderful things that they suggest, but he was not turning. <laughs> um, and then at 36 weeks I had, so I was still birthing in the public hospital. Okay. But seeing a private OB. Um, and so I had my um, birthing class at the hospital and so it was just the whole day sitting on a chair um 
and like they're talking about the birthing process, which I already knew at that point that I'd be having a cesarean. So when they're talking about like induction and all the different drugs that you could be having and active labour and like I was just sitting there thinking this has nothing to do with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they kept going on and on and on about your um, baby's movements and like people say that the baby slows down the closer you get to birth but that's not actually true and you need to really be in tune with how your baby's moving um and so that whole day I'm sitting there thinking I haven't felt the baby move that much today and then I'm like is it because I'm getting it drummed into me that we need to be paying attention to it like if I was at work today I would just be plodding around doing my work day Mm. not paying much attention to it and so I just kind of pondered on that for a while and um he would always move heaps after I ate dinner and so that night I had dinner and like I could still feel the baby move but it wasn't heaps and so I rang the maternity ward and they're like just come in and get up and get on the machine and we'll have a look um, if anything, it'll just put your mind at ease. And so I took myself in and got put on the monitor. And while I was on the monitor, his heart rate dropped. And so I had to stay in overnight. And it was just the one drop. It never happened again. But I had to stay in overnight and then um, had the extra monitoring and then saw the next day, saw my OB. And she was like, okay, you're having a baby this week. <laughs> Um, done. Yep. Yeah, and so she said it'll just be when they can fit you in for the cesarean. Um, so I had to go in and get a steroid injection because he was so little. Mm-hmm. Um, was he still at the fifth percentile or had he grown a bit? Um, I can't remember at that stage, but they were saying that he would, um, they were looking at about 2.1 kilos. Um, and so, but then like, that's just a guess. (laughs) And then, um, so I had to have the steroid injection and then another one 24 hours later, um, to give his lungs the best chance. Um, and then Thursday lunchtime, I got called and told that I was the first cesarean the next morning. Lots of notice then, right. Um, So, yeah, I went to netball training that night just to see all my friends. I didn't do anything, obviously. And, like, people, oh, how much longer have you got to go? I was like, oh, it's still three weeks. A couple of hours. Yeah. (laughs) And then, yeah, had him the next day. (laughs) Wow. So that was you got 37 in the end then, weeks? Exactly, 37. Yes. Um, so, yeah, went in to have my cesarean. My dad was my support person um, and he was amazing. <laughs> um, we, I remember um, like they did the spinal block and then they put all the drape up and everything and I could like feel something going on there but nothing in particular and I remember saying oh have they started yet and the anaesthetist said they're nearly at the baby (laughs) (laughs) such a weird it all it was so quick um and yeah they pulled him out I didn't know up until that point that it was a boy so Ah. they um pulled him out and it's a boy and he was asleep (laughs) He was very cosy in there. He was like wedged up under my rib and um, he was tiny. And so he needed a little bit of oxygen to get going. Um, And then like it was all just such a blur. But I remember as soon as I heard him cry, that's when I was like, okay, he's fine. And then I just started bawling my eyes. Um, and 
yeah, my dad, my dad was crying. He's like, that's your son. You're a mom. And it was just really amazing. <laughs> what a special moment for you and your dad as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so he was, they were pretty much dead on with the weight. He was um, 2.09 kilos. Tiny little puppet. Um, yes. He looked a little bit like a scun rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> there was no meat on him whatsoever yeah. um and so because he had no meat on him he was hypothermic okay um so he got rushed off to special care nursery while I got sewn up um my dad went with him and um they needed to give him a little bit of formula to help like his blood sugars and all those things. Um, and apart from being tiny, he was perfectly healthy. That's good. So he yeah. didn't have to stay in special care very long then? Uh, he was in special care for a week. He just had a bit of trouble regulating his body heat mm. um, just because he was so small. Um, yeah, but I, when I first went in, I was meant to be having a shared room. And then um, the lovely midwife said, that's not fair. You don't want to be in a room with another crying baby when your baby's not mm. with you. So they moved me to a private room, which was amazing. But I didn't spend a lot of time in there anyway. I was just in the special care nursery the whole time. Um, and, yeah, my milk came in straight away. They were all... The midwives were super impressed with my supply, given it was a early C-section. Like I've heard um, after having a Caesar, because you don't have all those giving birth hormones, it can um, hinder your supply. I don't know I don't if that's know. true, but it's something that I've heard. And, yeah, mine was in full swing. <laughs> um producing way too much for him to handle. But he fed really well. He, we left hospital back at his birth weight. Um, very good in a week. They were all, yeah, they were very happy with him. Um, the worst thing was he was in special care for the week, but I only got five days in the hospital. Oh, so you had to go home without him. I had to go home without him. And leaving the hospital, I was just bawling my eyes out, not wanting to leave him. And I think I was gone for maybe four hours. And then yeah. I rang my dad. I'm like, take me back to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I think I spent one or two, I can't remember, it was one or two nights at home without him and then the last night they allowed me to room in with him not in the special care nursery so he was in the room with me mm -hmm. um, just to make sure that everything was all fine and the nurses were still close by if needed um, but I that was all smooth sailing and we came home and it was everything I ever dreamed of oh. <laughs> um yeah, as as soon as I saw him, I was like, "Yeah, this this was this was it. This I was made for this." <laughs> and how were the first twelve weeks? Were you by yourself post C section with him, or did you stay yeah. around? Or um, so my dad lives um, a couple of k's away, and so they were here every day. My, either my mum or my dad um, and other family. It was. Pre-COVID, thankfully. You could have visitors, nice. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, there wasn't a day where I didn't have anyone here. Um, we just had a little spot on the couch um, and, yeah, had people waiting on me hand and foot. And Oh, that sounds lovely. Yeah. My mum came and cooked up a whole heap of like spaghetti bolognese and stuff to put in the freezer and... Yeah, we just stayed in our little bubble. Um, I remember, like, in the hospital, he was sleeping and feeding perfectly on the three hours and 
then he'd sleep for the two and then have a little bit of a wake time. And then I brought him home and it was like every 45 minutes he was feeding. I was like, this was not how it was. Like, what happened? What am I doing wrong? Um, but we moved through it. <laughs> just, yeah, I think I just had to, I don't know, build my confidence. <laughs> just interrupting this episode for a quick word from our sponsors. Not only have City Fertility sponsored this episode, they are also extending a very generous 20% off discount for all of my listeners. That's 20% off IUI, IVF, ICSI, as well as six months complimentary egg, sperm and embryo storage. If you're just starting out or about to undergo treatment to make your baby dreams come true, head to the show notes for my discount code and a link to their website for more information. Like he's nearly four now. Yeah. And so that it's what they say with the... Um, the days are long but the years are fast or however that saying goes and like it feels like it was yesterday that he was this tiny little baby and yet also I look at him and I'm like how are you so big like yeah. where has all this time gone and how do you think it's changed you as a woman now you've become a mum um I can't go out for snacks after bedtime anymore <laughs> So it's saving you money then. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think it's changed me too much. Like I was never really a person that went out partying or like clubbing or ugh. <laughs> I don't drink. Um, I was always a bit of a homebody anyway. Um the friends that I had pre-baby have stuck around post-baby, like he's part of their life too. They all love him just as much as I do. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's really just slotted in like he was always there. He's yeah. always meant to be there. He's completed the little picture you always wanted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and have you thought about whether you will expand the family or are you a one and done? Uh, I would love to expand the family. Um, I was planning on like a two-year age gap um but another thing that they found while I was pregnant was I had issues with my thyroid okay. um so once I had Dallas um he I had to have my thyroid removed um and so they had to work out my medication before I could start um trying for another baby mm -hmm. so once that all got in Czech, I um, had a transfer done, it was about September last year, and it worked. Um, and then at the six-week scan, they um, there was a pregnancy sack but no heartbeat. Oh. Um, so I had to go for a follow-up scan the week later and there was no growth. So it was a missed miscarriage, um, which was a bummer. So I had really to have tough. a DNC. Yeah. Um, and then so I had another transfer the next cycle and it worked. <laughs> um, so I was three from three. <laughs> And then um, the six-week scan, um, there was a heartbeat, but it was measuring a little bit small. So I had a follow-up scan at eight weeks and everything was back on track. Um, got all my referrals to the obstetrician because I decided straight away I'm starting with the private OB mm -hmm. um, and was booked in for – I did the um, – nipped test this time around I didn't do it with my first um because first time around I was like I don't care I want a baby regardless yep. of however they come I will love them um but then this with the second time I was more thinking like what sort of a life will that be for my son if there is to be a special needs or anything like that, um, I need to think about what that would mean for his life. Yeah. Um, and so I decided to do the NIP test. I had the blood test and then the day after the blood test, I started bleeding. Mm -hmm. um, and so ended up 
going to emergency and um yeah had another miscarriage I'm so sorry <laughs> so that was a that one hit a lot I was 11 and a half weeks so okay. that one hit a lot harder the first one because there was no heartbeat I never expected it to become a full pregnancy but then yeah with this one there'd been the heartbeat and it was growing and doing all the right things and then so that was a big hit um so I took some time after that so that was February of this year um and then um I was moving house and I thought best to get all those stressful things out of the way get settled in the new place um before I try again so I still had three embryos on ice at that point mm-hmm. um and then I was planning to start moved into the house in May was going to start the next cycle but then I got COVID and so I thought all right well let's get healthy first and then it was like three months of sickness non-stop oh, <laughs> yeah um so I had a transfer in August and the day that I would have found out if it was successful or not was my due date of the baby that I'd miscarried <laughs> um, and it didn't work, that transfer. So that that day was I took the day off work already preempting that I'd be a bit emotional given the circumstances and then when the um, negative test came back, I was, it was, yeah, a nice, nice to be at home with all the my favourite foods and all my comfort foods and, yeah. yeah, just taking that me time. My son was at daycare and... Um, it's like a very sensible approach. Lots of people. Um, and so I next cycle went again. Um, and again, that one didn't take. Um, and so now I have one embryo left in the freezer, and I have an appointment with the fertility specialist next week to see how to give that embryo its best chance. Um, but I decided <clears throat> at once I'd had my son and still had those embryos, if ne- none of them were successful, I wouldn't do another egg collection. Okay. So if this last embryo is not successful, then it'll just be me and my son and we'll have a wonderful life together. Like yeah. it's not the end of the world. I would have loved to have given him a sibling. Um but I do know that he has other siblings from his donor. Oh, you already know that, yeah. Yes, I did a, um, a family audit um, when I started to try for number two. Um, so he is one of, as of August last year, he is one of nine. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, and he's one of the oldest ones. Okay. So I haven't taken any further steps than that. Um, but, yeah, just to know that there's other people out there that share his DNA. Um, I've spoken with him a little bit about it, but I don't think he fully understands the concept of the donor siblings. Yeah, I'm wondering what age it is that you should start those conversations. Like my daughter understands that she doesn't have a daddy and that she's got a donut, as she calls it, and then (laughs) one. But you know, but the fact that she's got brothers and sisters out there, I don't think. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure when I'll start to, like, I do want to hopefully make contact, Mm -hmm. just not sure when, how. (laughs) You're in Victoria, aren't you? So at least we've got a lot easier than other states. So we're pretty lucky to have that. Yes. I haven't gone on the volunteer register yet. I'm not, not quite ready. (laughs) Um, I started doing the paperwork and it just I got distracted and I never got back to it, so I must do something about that. Yeah, I think I did a quick Google and then was like, no, too hard basket. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, my son, he knows he's donor conceived. He, um, so I still, I went back to childcare after he was born. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he comes to my daycare one day a week. He has a different daycare for the others because we don't work together well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I listened to him having a conversation with one of the other kids, um, about him not having a dad. Um, and it it's a, a bit annoying that he was upset at the conversation, like he was already upset about something else. And then this little girl said, don't worry, your daddy will be here soon because they know that I'm his mum. Mm. And I don't have a dad. And she's like, yeah, your daddy's at work. I don't have a dad. And so he just was getting more and more upset. And then she was persisting that he did. And so then I stepped in and I said, no, he's, Dallas is right. He doesn't have a dad. Um, he's, I said, who's in your family, Dallas? He says, I have a mum and Dallas. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, then I spoke with the other kids about who's in their family and how families are different. And, yeah, so it was good to see that he was, like, confident although he was upset, but that was prior to the conversation. But, um, yeah, he was adamant that he didn't have a dad and he was fine by that. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, since since that conversation, I've spoken with him more about how, like, his family is he and I, but he does have a donor and, like, I've read the letter to him now. We've read it a couple of times um, and... Yeah, so he sort of understands the concept a little bit, I think, but he's still, like, he's not quite four, so it's still a very big thing to wrap your head around. <laughs> and have you made connections with any other solo mums by choice? So he's seeing other kids with that have donors as well? Uh, one of my close friends actually um, is a solo mum as well. Oh, wonderful. Uh, You've already interviewed her earlier this year. <laughs> um, her daughter is, she was one in June. Um, so we've, yeah, talked about how Lola's family is like our family and, um, yeah, he's, that's the, the only other solo mum that I've connected with. We were already connected pre-babies. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there is another solo mum at his daycare as well. Oh, cool, yeah. Um, we are slowly taking over the world, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I haven't been to any of the meetups or anything like that. It's... Hopefully we'll see you at one soon. Yeah, it is on the to-do list, <laughs> but I have a very long to-do list. <laughs> and if you would look back on your journey now, is there anything you wish you'd done differently or that you'd change? I don't think so. I think it all just kind of fell into place the way that it was meant to happen. Um, I don't think that I should have done it earlier or anything like that. I was 30, 31 by the time I'd had him, so I was still relatively young in the scheme of solo mums. Um, but, yeah, I think it all it all just was how it was meant to be and is there any advice you'd give anyone who's just sort of starting out and wondering whether this is the right path for them I think if it's something that you want to do just do it don't worry about what everyone else thinks if you want to make it work you'll make it work um yeah I don't any any time people question like how are you going to do this or what about that? I'm just, I just think it'll work itself out. I'm a big believer everything happens for a reason. Um, And, yeah, we may not not know what those reasons are in the time, um, but I think that they will show themselves eventually. (laughs) Is there anything that you've changed, I guess, in your life as a result of having him? Like have you changed where you lived or anything like that? Uh, I did move home for, it was a little over two years back, It moved back in with my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like right in the thick of COVID, just so that we had, we were very isolated on our own. So we had 
that extra support person. I saved a lot of money. Always handy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it just gave us that little bit of a leg up to support myself. I, I um, bought a house rather than renting. And Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and what are you most looking forward to in the next few years with you in Dallas? Um, I'm really excited for him to start school, which is yeah. still like over 12 months away. Um, but I just think that he will love it. He loves to learn. He's so like interested in how everything works. He needs to know all the details. And I just think that he will thrive in a school environment. And so I'm super excited to see him there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're also really cute in school uniforms. <laughs> At daycare, we've got a, um, a school readiness corner. Yeah. And so we had a couple of, of the local schools donate uniforms and he put one on. I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Makes him look so grown up. Yeah. Um, I really hope that he can, he gets the opportunity to be a big brother. Um, he talks about wanting to be a big brother, so I really hope that I can give him that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that's not meant to be, then we will spend time travelling and we'll be able to do lots of things that I probably wouldn't be able to do or not so soon with a little baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just look forward to all of our adventures. <laughs> we look forward to following along and hoping that they all work out how you want them to. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your story tonight, Leah. Thanks for having me. I'm Alicia and this is the No Need for Prince Charming podcast, bringing you stories of Australian solo mums who created their own happy ending. If you like what you heard, please follow or subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on future episodes and leave a like, a review or share with your friends to help others find it easier. Bye for now.